everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Safe Speaks. Sexual Assault Peer Educators is a group of students committed to educating the Georgetown community about interpersonal violence and supporting survivors of sexual assault. We're excited to be bringing you this podcast and hope that our conversations will encourage, support, and educate the Georgetown community. Hi, I'm Courtney Smith, and I'm a senior in the college, double majoring in government and psychology. I've been a part of state for three years now, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Katerina Watson. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm a senior in the college, majoring in women's and gender studies and minoring in bio. Um, and I joined SAFE this year. Today, we are lucky to be joined by Professor Stern from Georgetown Psychology Department to talk about what healthy sexuality looks like. Professor Stern, how long have you been at Georgetown and what brought you into this work? Uh, I have been at Georgetown, depending upon how you count the time, either about 20 years or a little bit more than two years. So <laughs> I was full-time adjunct and now I'm back to full-time. So um, uh, I've been here for a while in that longer sense. Uh, what brought me into this work? I um, had always had an interest in sexuality uh, from undergraduate, you know, like going back to what, you know, who doesn't have an interest in sexuality, right? But, you know, I, I took classes mm -hmm. as an undergraduate, um, did some additional work as a graduate student, my postdocs, and then, um, you know, I folded into teaching in modules, but wasn't teaching a whole class in sexuality. But then the um, position I was at previous to this, they hired me in part to teach a human sexuality class. And so then I taught that class every semester okay. for 16 years. And, right. you know, that's a place where you get pretty familiar with teaching about sexuality. <laughs> you say yeah. it all the time. Right. So, um, but I, you know, I, I, I've always been interested in it, always been interested in the scholarship and the science and talking about it and really having more open comfortable conversations and trying to create that space in the classroom. And I think I, you know, I identify in a lot of ways, certainly in part as a psychologist and as a college professor, but also as a sexuality educator, at least in the broader sense of such. So, yeah. Totally. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, so to start us off, how would you define healthy sexuality? And I'm going to turn it back and ask, how would you define it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. So, Hard one. For me, I think it's sexual health and well-being, um, autonomy, having your own like definition, not own definition of consent, but like having like understanding what consent means and being able to mm -hmm. apply it to your sexual life. Um, yeah, so those are the main the main points for me, like health, well-being, and then like confidence in your autonomy. What do you think, Courtney? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that Katarina said, and I think just that um, feeling comfortable and confident in your decisions, um, regardless of what they could be, um, I, I think is super critical um, for having a healthy sexuality. Yeah, so it's interesting. The themes, when I, I pose this question in my sexuality class and we talk through, you know, like each of the groups talks about their own definition. And um, I think a lot of what you're talking about comes through, which is, you know, healthy sexuality is something about health. So we're talking about, you know, well-being more generally, which could be about um, physical health, sexual health, you know, those kinds of things, but can also be mental health. You know, so there's a lot of sort of like when you put the word health into healthy sexuality, then people start to think about sort of well-being more broadly, um, engaging in sexuality mm -hmm. in a way that 
maximizes your well-being or at least doesn't compromise your well-being right like my well-being is not that great but at least this didn't make it worse you know whatever um so so that piece uh consent is almost always brought up um that is to say that like you know if we compare healthy and unhealthy sexuality people always put like non-consenting or Mm -hmm. um lack of consent in the unhealthy and they would put something about consent in the healthy but then we spend a lot of time in class unpacking well what is consent Mm. You know, like, what do we mean mm-hmm. by consent and what would it, what, what does that entail? Mm-hmm. Like, if we're going to talk about consent, which I know is critical to the work you do and say, right, that, you know, if we talk about consent, mm-hmm. then, then what, what would it, what would be necessarily present right. for sexual mm-hmm. consent to be navigated effectively and appropriately? And I think that's a lot of where, you know, pardon the pun, the rubber hits the road, right? Like where this is where like mm-hmm. the specifics come in. Um, and I think some of what you said, Katarina, too, like the the issue of autonomy. Um, I think autonomy is complicated because there's always like a tension between autonomy and interdependence, right? Because mm. I mean, obviously, like sexuality can be personal, like masturbatory, but like to the extent yeah. that we're talking about interpersonal sexuality, right. then we're talking about mm-hmm. something where it's a uh, there's some tension between like what is my autonomy and what's my interdependence and mm-hmm. how are we relating to each other. So I think I would put that in there, but not without some thoughtful qualification. Mm. of meeting the other person's needs. And I think that's where things get complicated. Like, Mm -hmm. when am I meeting that other person's needs to the detriment of my autonomy or Mm. my well-being? And when is meeting their needs appropriate Mm. Mm -hmm. and not compromising my autonomy, my well-being? And so I think the term I often use, which I think would capture some of what you said, I talk about authentic. Mm. what's your Mm -hmm. authentic sexuality yeah and I think that's a complicated question like I had a student in my office last year who was it was a female student saying you know saying like look I don't really care about my own like orgasms or pleasure that's not important to me I really just want to satisfy my partner and I said Mm. that's fine if that is authentically what you want Mm -hmm. if that is truly you've done some soul searching you've thought this through and truly I just want to please my partner and my own pleasure is not relevant you go girl like that does not Mm -hmm. you know that's fine but think hard think hard about whether that's really your authentic sexuality and I think like in three weeks she came back she's like it's not I want something from myself (laughs) and I'm just like you know okay so then like let's talk about the balance right but Mm -hmm. but I I think that you can definitely be like focused on the other person's pleasure and that that could be authentic to you like there's nothing intrinsically immoral or uh, unautonomous that's not mm-hmm. a real word, but you know, like there's nothing that's intrinsically problematic about that, but it needs to mm-hmm. be really thoughtfully. And I think that then this changes over time, it evolves, it's different at different stages of life, and you know, all of those things. So yeah. I usually mm-hmm. talk about some, you know, healthy sexuality is authentic, but consenting because you can have an authentic sexuality, which is coercive, and then I'm not okay with it. Right. Right. Like, right. you know, like, a, like yeah. I don't like to coerce other people. I'm sorry. Your authenticity needs to be kept at the door, and you mm-hmm. need to figure out some authenticity that involves consent. So authentic, yeah. consenting. And then um, I, I'm going to throw in, and I don't think either of you said it explicitly, I'm going to throw in pleasurable. Mm-hmm. We didn't say it. We yeah, that is something that I think is often forgotten. Yeah. You know, and particularly when we talk about sexuality education, when we talk about, um, you know, sexual health, when we talk about, you know, consent, we're not focused on that piece with mm-hmm. good reason, right? Because it's sort of, mm-hmm. it feels like an afterthought. Like, let's make sure we're not assaulting each other and then we can have fun. You know, like that's, right. I get that. Yeah. That, that. yeah, that would be my priority as well. Right. But yeah. I don't want to, but if we're talking about health as the higher bar, 
not just like what keeps me out of prison, but like what's mm-hmm. actually healthy, mm-hmm. then I want to put in pleasure. But right. again, that pleasure can be, I brought pleasure to my partner and that gives me this feeling of confidence and lovely, I yeah. care about this person and I feel kind of like, mm-hmm. hey, I did the thing. Or it could be my own like, you know, pleasure and arousal mm-hmm. and whatever right. orgasm stuff, but something about it should be pleasurable and not anti-pleasurable mm-hmm. or unpleasurable. Right, totally. Whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. I, I um, think what you said about authenticity is really interesting because I think something that I think about a lot is um, how society and kind of the pressures, um, especially that young people face in terms of their sexuality and how that um, can really influence our understanding of what authentic sexuality is and, and kind of what we are expected to or told uh, to want or is okay. Um, yeah, so I that was really interesting that you brought that up yeah and I think that's I mean I think uh, like a a lot of sort of the you know the college student you know moment the emerging Mm -hmm. adulthood young adulthood moment is partly about who am I as a person right Mm -hmm. it's that Mm -hmm. it's that identity surge and that is about what am I authentically separate from what my parents wanted from me separate from what my teachers wanted from me separate from what my peers demand from me Mm -hmm. now we are never fully separate from those things, right? We are enculturated. Mm-hmm. We live in society. We live in relationships like that. We are not yeah. like islands. We just aren't. But there is that kind of like, well, can I find my pathway in a way that feels authentic, even though I might be influenced by all those voices in my head, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might be influenced by all those people and their demands. Can I find a pathway that at least feels authentic at this time, at this moment? Two years from now, it might be a different thing. That's fine. But, you mm-hmm. know, can I at least make sure that I'm not you know, engaging in this, Mm -hmm. this particular choice, you know, sexually or professionally or whatever it is, um, Mm -hmm. in a way that's inauthentic in some deep sense. And I think it takes some soul searching and some thought. And I don't think it's easy around sexuality, because I don't think we give people a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm. Right. I think there's a lot of you should you shouldn't. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. dictatorial voices. Mm -hmm. But there's not a lot of, you know, here are some exercises for you to figure out what do you like? Right. What do you want? Mm, what are your really values? Yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and something you started to um, touch on earlier um, is the intersection of uh, consent and sexuality. Um, could you expand on that a oh. little bit? Well, so both of you talked about consent. How would you, what are the things that are necessary and sufficient for consent to occur? What what has to be present for consent? I mean, I definitely think um, it should be in, enthusiastic. It should be voluntary, um, full and informed. Um, I think there's a lot of like um, body language cues that we sometimes overlook or don't talk about, kind of the unspoken cues um, during a sexual interaction. Um, that can be really confusing or hard to read, um, but are super, super important. Yeah, so I, I would say, I mean, there's, you know, you had all the pieces there, right? So enthusiastic consent, not begrudging, right? And so <laughs> that means, and I mean, that's real, right? Like there's yeah. a there's a begrudging consent. I mean, like I said, there there's this whole literature on what's called unwanted sex or sexual compliance where people have consented, mm-hmm. but they don't really want it, which is not the enthusiastic consent that we're all sort of looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also had voluntary, right? 
So then we have, what are the elements of coercion, which would make consent less voluntary? Like, obviously we get if there's a weapon involved, right? Like we're not, like that's, you know, obvious. Mm -hmm. What else, what, what are some other things that might compromise voluntary consent? What do you think? I mean, definitely drugs and alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I think which I can be very um, present on college campuses, for sure. Right. Right. So, so I, substance abuse is an, is an interesting mix because to some extent it can compromise the voluntary component. Obviously, if you're passed out, right? Like we all get mm-hmm. that, the cup of tea metaphor, right? Like nobody <laughs> right. wants a cup of tea when they're passed out, right? Like yes. I get that. But, um, uh, but I think drugs and alcohol also have the piece of um, sort of knowledge and, and cognitive capacity, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what happens with alcohol is that you know our attention narrows this is called alcohol myopia like we just focus yeah. in on the things that alcohol does they like the things that matter to us right this minute and nothing things, else yeah. matters right yeah. so if you're mm-hmm. if you're interested in having sex with somebody then you only focus on the cues that they are interested as well and, and you literally miss the all the other cues mm. right so now it's less informed in a way if we think about the informed component, like literally you don't yeah. even have that information. And of course your cognitive capacity is just limited. Like you're just not thinking mm-hmm. as well. Now, of course, this is a graded thing. Like it's not like one drink and suddenly you can't consent. Yeah. No, where's the line that gets to be really complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. Both in terms of obviously our own standards, but also navigating our partners. Right. So like, uh, do I know how much you drank? Do mm-hmm. I know how drunk you are? Mm-hmm. Do I know, like, how am I supposed to read that? Some people ha- are very mm-hmm. impaired, but maybe don't convey that particularly effectively. And I've been drinking totally. too. So how do I even, am I even good at judging your level of impairment? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is particularly mm-hmm. complicated in the hookup casual sex context, because from the research, hookups are defined as involving alcohol. That is in order for it mm. to be a hookup. Oh, wow. Interesting. People have to be drinking. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah I, didn't I mean, obviously, well. not every single person literally is drinking with a hookup, but we yeah. ask people for the script, like, mm. what is the blow by blow the play the play of a hookup? It yeah. always involves alcohol. Wow. And and that worries me, not because you can't drink and have sex. Obviously, you can. Not because you can't drink and have sex with consent. Obviously, you can. But where's the line? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's my guess, and I'll give you an answer that I would probably pull out of my students. Okay. My guess is the drinking is in part uh it's a a cya right it's like this way i don't have to acknowledge that i'm being sexual i don't Mm -hmm. have to admit it Mm -hmm. i can say wow i was Mm -hmm. so drunk who did i hook up with oh my gosh really are you Mm -hmm. kidding oh Mm -hmm. i see oh well it was because i was drinking yeah could you know i think i think part of it comes down to loosening the inhibitions sure Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And and that sort of social grease, fine. Mm-hmm. Some of it comes down to shame. Mm. That you... it's very hard to just acknowledge. Yeah. I am a sexual person who wants a casual sexual encounter with this person. Mm-hmm. Now realize hookups can mean a lot of different things. It can mean somebody I know well, somebody I've hooked up with repeatedly. Like if we've hooked up every Friday night for the last two weeks, aren't we just dating? Like what? <laughs> what? what? You know, and, yeah. and, and it can, but it also can be somebody I want to be in a relationship with, and I'm using the hookup framework as a, as a cover, right. because mm-hmm. if they're not interested in the relationship, then I can say, oh, it was just a hookup. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. reject me. Mm-hmm. We were just hooking up. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it covers a multitude of sins. And I don't mean sex is a sin. I don't. But where yeah. people are ashamed, where people are embarrassed, where they're struggling mm -hmm. to admit, acknowledge their authentic sexual desires mm -hmm. or where they feel social pressure, whatever, then alcohol covers that. That makes complete sense. Yeah. And that worries me or that or rather, mm -hmm. I think that that is something that could be addressed culturally. Yeah. Yeah. And interpersonal and individually, like I can like sit down with myself and say, I don't need to drink to acknowledge that I want to have sex with somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't need to drink to get naked with them. I don't need to drink to see them. Like, you know, if you need to drink yeah. to see them naked, maybe you don't need to see them naked, right? But you know, like, so, <laughs> so you know, Separate, can I? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean I can't drink and enjoy it. It doesn't mean I can't. You know, whatever. I'm not saying I'm not trying to be judgy about that, but it does mean I don't have to mm -hmm. just to get to that point, right? But it mm -hmm. involves being comfortable with your sexuality, being yeah. confident. Mm -hmm yeah right yeah so the alcohol piece I, I think is problematic for consent but it also speaks to a deeper problem with our, our culture more generally mm -hmm. i totally agree what are some of the other things that would um impair the voluntary nature forces that would mm -hmm. make your consent less voluntary like power dynamics yep yeah. this is the reason why we don't you know, why we consider like sex between faculty and students to be sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. It could be authentic, right? You could be like, yeah. I'm into this person. They're into me. This is a real relationship. But how do you know for sure? Right. You mm -hmm. know, if I ask you out, Katerina, I'm like, hey, let's go out. You seem really right. nice. Right. If you say yes, do I know for sure that that's a real yes or, a, you know, I won't get a good grade in your class kind of yes. Right. Yeah. And I can't be sure of that. So I'm not going to ask you out. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's my responsibility. My responsibility as the person who holds more power is to recognize that power dynamic mm -hmm. and not abuse it, not, you know, to, to be mindful of how that could impair the consent of my partners. Totally. totally. But think yeah. about other power dynamics. Is there still a gender power dynamic? Mm -hmm. Do men have more power than women? Right. I mean, we can yeah. argue about that, right? Exactly. That, you know, Katarina yeah, is a women and gender studies scholar. Like, you'll, we yeah. can argue about that, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but paradigm, like, is if somebody's older, think about all the contexts where a, yeah. a man is older yeah. than a woman. Yeah. Where yeah. a college college age man is dating a high school, you know, mm -hmm. woman. Like, that's, I don't mean it can't be authentic, mm -hmm. but, yeah. but, but. Yeah. And it's he's older, he's yeah. more experienced, he's a man. Yeah. She's right. younger, she's less experienced, she's a woman. You know, yeah. like, does that impact yeah, consent? Just, Can you just yeah. not consent then? Oof. Yeah. I mean, even just on a college campus, like I think about um, even just in like club culture at Georgetown, if you're an upper class and you senior who's, you know, in, in charge of a club or an organization on campus and, um, you know, you start dating a freshman or, you know, um, whatever it could be, all of that kind of age power dynamic and the association of like, I'm a freshman, they're a senior. All of that kind of stuff can be really confusing. Yep. And hookups often occur in the first two years of college. A lot of the research is that by the last two years, people are mostly cycled out of it. They're not totally. that into it. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. so then you're looking at a place where people are vulnerable. They're coming in. They don't know the culture. Mm -hmm. They don't know anyone else. Mm -hmm. They don't know how much, you know, alcohol they can manage because maybe totally. they're new to drinking yeah. as well, or at least new to drinking without parents overseeing in mm -hmm. some way. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so there's this real complex vulnerability and if this is a you're going to a frat party you're going to somebody's home whatever and it's a senior with a freshman yeah with a first-year student there's a potential power dynamic just in terms of knowledge networks of friends 
aware like all of that stuff yeah it doesn't mean it can't be authentic it doesn't mean it can't be consenting but it does mean that we need to be mindful totally yeah and then i'm gonna throw in Mm. social expectations peer pressure Mm -hmm. the again a lot of the research on unwanted sex and sexual compliance is that people don't want to be rude they don't mm-hmm. want to hurt the other person's feelings. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But it certainly compromises enthusiastic consent. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, you'll hear for women sure. say, like, well, you know, he paid for drinks. We were dancing all right. night. We I invited him back to my place. I know what he expects. Yeah. I don't want mm-hmm. to, but it would be, it's just mean. It's just cruel. It's mm-hmm. just tacky. Yeah. He, who, what is he going to say to his friends? Is there going to be some tension? Will he become violent? It's just easier to give him a blowjob. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just, let's just do that and then we're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not enthusiastic consent. It is consent. Yeah. It's not sexual assault, right? Like, I want to make that clear, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not mm-hmm. enthusiastic and I wouldn't call it healthy, mm-hmm. but I'm not judging her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not even judging him, but I am saying, let's be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you know that somebody might be complying, out of a sense of obligation, social pressure. I think it it behooves us to check in with them and make sure that it's really what they want. Right. Yeah. And and that's the yeah. responsibility. But again, drinking makes that hard, blah, blah, blah. Like there's yeah. all this stuff about all alcohol that makes factors. it harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the idea that we think of, uh, we've taught people that sex is a scarce resource. We've taught mm-hmm. them that they should pursue it aggressively. Mm-hmm. You know, we've taught them that they should score. Totally. Particularly totally. men, but not just men. I mean, I yeah. think women too. Right. Yeah. And all of that creates a, I don't want to check with them because maybe they'll say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For, so I'm, I'm super interested in the idea of like consent and alcohol because I just think that most of us are told just like don't mix the two, which like yeah. isn't mm-hmm. accurate or realistic at all. Um, so would you well I don't know that it's unrealistic I I don't I think that you could decide mm. but I mm-hmm. think that in the context of college culture college. yes there's mm-hmm. often and I that think Georgian was... culture is actually a pretty heavy drinking culture I would agree. like there's a there's yeah. a strong drinking culture here yeah. yeah yeah so when you talk about consent in class would you say that alcohol always comes up like how does like how does that conversation go like how does it and I'm also interested about like does every class kind of have similar ideas about consent? Have you seen like trends over time? Like how has that been also? Yeah, good question. I think um, I think that the core of the conversation is often similar. I think there's become, I think the conversation around consent has become more nuanced, which I like. Oh, that's awesome. Because there mm-hmm. used to be this idea, like you just get a yes, like if they say yes. Right. Like and now there's yes. more of like, yeah. let's talk about the context of the yes and mm-hmm. you know, the, what's going on with that. And so I think there's more awareness of that. But I, I also think that people really struggle to implement. Like they can talk the talk, but it's really hard to walk the walk because mm-hmm. they don't know how to make this mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, it should be enthusiastic. Well, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you know? Even, even if, if your consent is not enthusiastic, how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. If you don't think mm-hmm. theirs is enthusiastic, how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. And then there's, I, I mean, I've had students in my office saying, you know, I was with this guy and he was, doing the consent so right in that he asked me beforehand before each thing we did he checked in with me and it was just this buzzkill because i just wanted to vibe Mm. and so like it was being done well and she's like "Uh." (laughs) 
killed the mood. Like, right. Yeah. Are you really okay with just vibing when maybe, you know, you end mm-hmm. up assaulting someone else? Yeah. Like, is that, I mean, what's the trade off? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and can you make the vibe hot? Can you make the, the not vibing hot? <laughs> can, you, can you make it hot that we're, that we're breaking up the vibe? Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like how we've talked about lots of things that, you know, like with sexual health, can we make the sexual health sexy? Mm. <laughs> like this is mm-hmm. what you should be doing can it also yeah. be sexy <laughs> and yeah. I, I think we need i mean so in in the research we talked about sexual scripts which is like this idea that it's a sort of funny thing to think about a script but there's mm-hmm. this idea that we have an idea of a sequence of behaviors totally. you know like this is the thing that we're gonna like first mm-hmm. start making out then, yeah. and then yeah. we'll take clothes off and then we'll grow up and then like yeah. there's a sequence yeah. not that everybody does that same thing but there's that idea yeah. and that's scripts are helpful because it means we have lower cognitive load like we don't need to check with every single thing like i can just go from thing to thing like mm-hmm. if i'm on a phone call i don't have to say is it okay if i say goodbye now like or do i have like mm-hmm. you know like we just yeah. know how to get to the goodbye right yeah so the sexual scripts are useful that way but they're also problematic because we're just assuming we're just flowing we're just mm-hmm. vibing mm-hmm. and we're using that momentum mm-hmm. And maybe that person really isn't into it. Maybe they didn't want mm-hmm. it. Maybe they're, you know, and then we get back to the question, mm-hmm. Courtney, of like, what, you know, what are the nonverbal signals? Are we okay mm-hmm. with nonverbal signals? Do it, does it need yeah. to be verbalized? Mm-hmm. Because the verbalization mm-hmm. doesn't get you out of the unenthusiastic consent. Because you could certainly yeah. say, are you interested? Yes. But that's not interesting. Yes, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But you got a yes exactly. out of me. And you know, you're not going to court, you know, like, so, yeah. but, yeah. but it's not mm-hmm. health. It's not like the bar that I would want for health, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so verbalization doesn't get you out of the enthusiastic versus not enthusiastic, but it does give you certain amounts of clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nonverbal, what, you know, if you take your clothes off, what are you consenting to? Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about this idea of consent being specific to sp- specific acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the script is it's like, you consented fun. to everything. Right. We're just going. Mm-hmm. Right. Wait, what if all I wanted to do was like A to C and not, not D to F? You know, yeah. like, I just want yeah. to do the first part of the script and then call it an evening because I got an exam tomorrow. You know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that takes verbalization. It really does. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm you know yeah and what and then we haven't talked about whether consent needs to be ongoing mm-hmm. if you yeah. consent to the beginning like it there's does, this whole yeah. thing of like i'm gonna get a video app of like here say into my phone i consent to sex with you that's very much keeping me out of jail <laughs> but it's yeah. not dealing with the what if i change my mind right yeah i really what thought if, i wanted consent, to but yeah. now i don't mm-hmm. yeah and i think too um all the kind of conversations that come up about like well, I consented to something two weeks ago, but now tonight, yeah, you know, yeah. this Friday night, I'm not really into it. Right. Um, but the other person thinks that because you consent to do it two weeks ago, that right. you're also into it tonight. Like, yeah, so kind of how yeah. how that can be a really um, tricky situation. Right. This is what's called sexual precedence. Like you had sex with me in the past, yes. and you implicitly consented to sex with me now. And we all agree. Like in the literature, we would all agree that's not yeah. consent. But it's tricky if you're in an ongoing relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is tricky. Are you going to ask every single act, every single time? May I hold your hand? May I sit closely against you and rub shoulders? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what, yeah. like God, this does get to be a, at some kind of yeah. ridiculous level. But at the same time, you can't assume, mm-hmm. or you shouldn't mm-hmm. assume. Yeah, yeah. So how do we deal with consent with the messiness of real life? Yeah. Right. I love Courtney. I really had this vision of like somebody putting in their calendar, 
like okay so we're talking now but on tuesday next are we gonna have sex mm-hmm. yes we're gonna have sex tuesday and then like we, i thought that was the, but i think i got that you were talking about sexual precedence i'm like that's a really that's a planner you know that's a person who's like, i'm very busy this week but two weeks from today at 805 i'll be like all right do it then. so yeah <laughs> but yeah no you can't assume because of a previous sexual engagement that you're in that you're the person's necessarily interested now mm-hmm. but you also can't assume yeah. that because they were interested five minutes ago that they're still right. interested now Mm-hmm. Right. How how often should you be checking in? Yeah. Yeah. These are I so complicated. And both yeah. partners should check in as well. Like it shouldn't both be partners a man should check in. Yes. And again, your checking okay. in is impaired by impairment. Right? When mm-hmm. you're when you're when you're a little mm-hmm. drunk, when you're very drunk, you're not gonna remember to check in, you're not processing the check in as well. Like all and again, I don't mean you can't drink and combine that, but the, what, let's recognize the risk. Mm-hmm. The yeah. risk that you've missed a cue. Mm-hmm. The risk that you're gonna mm-hmm like bulldozer over somebody's cues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to tell oh you, God. like, I think this is, po- I think it is possible to do this well. I really do. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how yeah, complicated this helpful. is, but I do think it's possible. And I use as my model, the way consent is navigated in the BDSM community. Cause I think they do, mm-hmm. they, their model is very good. I don't mean that everybody does it well cause there's bad mm-hmm. actors and mistakes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. but their model is excellent. And I think that we could adopt that model. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which is yeah, I definitely talk, think clear front. communication. Yeah, mm-hmm. clear communication beforehand, mm-hmm. nonverbal monitoring during, where the person who's topping is responsible for the safety and well-being of the bottom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and explicit check-ins periodically. Mm-hmm. And there's typically, sure. is there typically other people around, or no? That was just specifically. So in a club situation, clubs. there would be other people around, and right. so you know, I often think about like the the club is a really good safe place in a lot of ways because there's other people you have somebody you can reach out to and literally the staff are circulating to make sure that consent is happening and all you have to do is flag like there's specific safe words as you say Mm -hmm, for somebody has violated my consent word my safe word and they will be over in a flash and that bad actor is probably going to get thrown out of the club and they are not going to be welcomed back if this is a repeated offender right they're not Mm -hmm. you know and think about Mm -hmm. that's so different from in your dorm room nobody's there you know both of you are a little impaired maybe Mm -hmm. one of you is very impaired Mm -hmm. right and it's it's much more difficult to to even sort of keep your footing like to keep your your sense of where you want to go with the encounter Mm -hmm. for sure yeah and did you talk about it in advance did you talk about what you wanted what you didn't want what your likes and dislikes were what your limits were do you have a safe word of course you don't in vanilla, nobody has a safe word. Mm. They should, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Totally. But yeah. yeah, most don't. Yeah. Yeah. But it's about mm-hmm. owning your sexuality, being willing to be clear and explicit, mm-hmm. being willing to take a no as a no, mm. being willing to take a half-hearted yes as a no. Right. Mm-hmm. If you are not yeah. sure, stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. that complicated, but you have to not mm-hmm. see sex as a scarce resource. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a huge. Yeah, you got to be willing point. to be like, okay, it's not happening for me tonight. Yeah, and be okay with that. Yeah, and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, with your um, students, do you um, have conversations kind of about all of the just like health aspects of like a um, of sexuality and and just like how to um, like take care of yourself, how to check in with yourself? Yeah, um, what are those? conversations look like 
Yeah, so a lot of it, I mean, there's obviously the the very obvious STI conversation, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, if you're going to be sexually active, then you need to take on responsibility for getting tested frequently, conveying your testing results to your partner, and also checking about mm-hmm. their testing results, right? And again, mm-hmm. that takes a conversation before you get sexually active, right? And, right. I, you know, I have friends that they really did this. They were like dating for a while, and they were just, you know, sort of on the cusp of becoming sexually active, and they went out to dinner, and they're like, okay, it looks like we're about to become sexually active. Let me talk about my testing history. Mm-hmm. You can talk about yours. Like, they're, you know, at this Chinese restaurant mm-hmm. and all the, the staff are like getting close. Like, oh, what are they talking about? You know, but it, was, it was a great conversation. But, you know, but it was like, I'm not ashamed of this. Like, you know, I've had two partners before. I have a clean HIV test. Da, 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 da. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that complicated, right. but it does take being responsible, mature kind of adult about it, you know, right. that kind of thing. Um, so and also, again, not shamed, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So there's the straight up STI. But then there's also, you know, there's obviously the issue of like managing, you know, um, risk of, of, you know, other kinds of unwanted outcomes, mm-hmm. including your mm-hmm. own mental health, right? Mm-hmm. There's also the mm-hmm. sort of like, do I know myself and my limits well enough? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super you know? important. Yeah, okay. and I think that that's complicated because people don't always know. Like I had a student in my office who was yeah. like, you know, she's like, I'm with my boyfriend and we're doing really well, but we've been doing some, you know, some S&M stuff, which ended up being triggering for me because I have a sexual assault history. Oh. And, you know, sort of like, I wasn't expecting that. And, right. you know, it, it's something that they could navigate. But I was like, yeah, like, she didn't know that in advance. She didn't mm-hmm. know it was gonna be a problem in advance. But then they were able to deal with it, you know, because they have an ongoing relationship. Da, 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 yeah. da. But mm-hmm. how is that going to work? If it's a new relationship? How is it going to work? If it's a hookup? If it's an right. FWP mm-hmm. friends with benefits? Like, you know, they're all the different relational contexts where if you're triggered, or if, if you just trip over some mental health thing, you know, you have to know how to take care of yourself. You have to know how to take care of your partner who's maybe tripped over their mental health thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like how to be responsible mm-hmm. in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. And it, it helps to know, obviously, the, the college resources, you know, like obviously mm-hmm. CAPS and, and, you know, RAs mm-hmm. and all of the things that you can reach out to. Yeah. And feel like you don't have to do this alone. But there will be moments where you're going to need to deal with it alone. Like, you know, you're not going to like, call caps right. right in the middle right, right. you're gonna want to like get through this moment right mm-hmm. and right. just to be prepared i mean sexuality can bring up a host of issues yeah it is a very powerful experience in some mm-hmm. cases mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think at some level i mean i i remember a researcher saying that our culture both takes it too seriously and trivializes it all at once yeah like we think that sex is the be all yeah, and all existence totally. but then we also don't think it's a big deal mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it can just be sweaty fun of course it can mm-hmm. but it can also you know like be very emotionally impactful very you know it can just it can hit mm-hmm. you hard you know yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. yeah all right so so <laughs> we're nearing the end i know so the question <laughs> is how do we implement healthy sexuality Right. What do you, right. After this whole conversation, what what's something that you would advise other students? Because I feel like it should come from you because totally. I'm I'm old and nobody's going to listen to me. So the, <laughs> so what what would you advise students? Like, what's one or two tips that you would say? This is one thing that you could do to improve the health of your sexuality. Yeah. Maybe not reach the perfection, but yeah, I think like it is like healthy sexuality is comprised of so many factors, like both personally and interpersonally and societally. So just kind of like take your time with it and and deal with things as you can. Like if like you need to work through your like your mental health is the most urgent thing, then work through that. And then you need to think through consent with an ongoing partner. Then think through that. 
Because um, it is overwhelming, but I think that any work is good work. Um, mm-hmm. And just, I think that, like, knowing yourself, obviously, like, it's so hard to know yourself when you're entering college, but you do, like, that inevitably, like, comes, and especially if you do work on that. So just, like, really trying to get to know yourself, I think, goes a long way, because then you're able to communicate exactly what you want and need and... Um, yeah, and just are are better at expressing all of those things mm-hmm. in yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And some of that's going to be yeah. sort of like interpersonally discovered. Some of it's going to be maybe journaling mm-hmm. or like yeah. reflection. Some of it, you know, and and you know, and and I I would put into that that there's a lot of different ways to be. So mm-hmm. then, you, you, when you discover yourself, it doesn't have to be like your roommates or your best friends right. or that romantic themed movie that you saw last week right mm-hmm. like it can be it can be whatever it is for you and it's okay for it to change over time like yeah. both of those are okay yeah. but yeah i would say like the know thyself is a good place to start yeah yeah, yeah. what do you think courtney yeah i um i agree with everything that you said and i think something that um you keep saying that i keep coming back to is removing shame from the conversation mm-hmm. and i think that that it's such an easy thing to say, but it's much harder to actually do in practice. Um, and so, you know, I I don't think there's like one easy way um, to kind of take shame out of the conversation, but I think that um, really taking the time to get to know yourself and to kind of process the things that you're feeling and, you know, um, going through, whether um, that's on your own, with your partner, whatever it is, I think that, um, anything that you can do for yourself to feel cared for and supported and to not um, feel shamed um, would be super critical. Yeah. And I think that we can really be mindful of how we talk or don't talk about sexuality mm-hmm. in ways that perpetuate mm-hmm. a shame-based culture. Mm-hmm. I think when we yeah, talk about right. other people's sexual choices, we often shame them implicitly yeah. mm-hmm. because we've been taught that that's a shameful choice mm-hmm. or because yes. we're uncomfortable with it or because it's a way for us to feel superior for the moment. Like there's all kinds of reasons, right? No judgment, but you know, like, mm-hmm. like can we be mindful yeah. of, of being respectful? Mm-hmm of other people's choices mm-hmm. as long as they're consenting to the right there's limits right. but um right. can we be mindful i would say one of the things that happens with my students over the course of a semester is that they just get more comfortable talking about sex mm-hmm. they're really mm-hmm. interested in what we're talking about in class yeah. they go back and talk to their roommates they talk to their family members they have like dinner mm-hmm. table conversations thanksgiving <laughs> is never the same you know like all of this <laughs> stuff right and and i think that's part of the work that i'm doing i cannot teach every student but i can create a context where they become sexuality educators in their community, mm. where they open up conversations mm-hmm. that were mm-hmm. closed or that were shamed or that were hidden. And they discover, oh, we're all so different or we're all the same. I mm-hmm. thought I was the freaky one. Turns out that we're all struggling with some of the same issues, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Totally. So this podcast yeah. is part of the solution. It is. Yeah. It is, right? Yeah. You are you are That's part of the solution to <laughs> yeah. have the conversations, to have a place where people yeah. can be open and non-shaming. And, and really, if you think about this, you know, uh, our culture doesn't empower young people to be sexual. We just say don't. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, you know, and I would say that other cultures really do say, like, of course, you need to be responsible. Of course, you need to wait till you're ready. Of course, mm-hmm. you need to be consistent with your values. Nobody's saying you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But that you have the right to be mm-hmm. a sexual individual. Yeah in the way that is authentic to you as long as it's not coercive and you know and whether Mm -hmm. that's self-exploration partner exploration whether that's you know intercourse or waiting to not have intercourse like whether it's same sex or cross-sex like all of these different ways to be yeah 
you have those rights and that mm-hmm. there is no shame around that absolutely yeah for sure thank you so much this is thank you for so having me on the podcast wonderful. i'm so pleased i really enjoyed this <laughs> good yeah. luck with the rest of the project yes thank, thank you so you. much <laughs> thank you These topics don't get talked about enough, so we hope that we can help start these important and brave conversations on our campus. For all the listeners, if you want to learn more about the work that Professor Stearns is doing, please make sure to check out her classes in the psychology department. Also, if you want to learn more about what SAPE is doing in our virtual environment, make sure to check us out on Instagram at gu underscore sape. And don't forget to listen to our next episode, which will be out in April. Once again, thank you so much, Professor Stearns, and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of SAPE Speaks.